I'm Jeffrey Rickman. I am the newly disaffiliated pastor from the United Methodist Church, serving two very small churches in northeastern Oklahoma, Nowata and Delaware. I've been here for, uh, I don't know, almost eight years, and uh, we were able to shepherd these churches um, out of the denomination just a couple weeks ago at a special called conference here in the Oklahoma Annual Conference. I uh, thought it'd be a good idea to sit down with the three other people connected to these churches that were present there with me. A lot of other people watched the live stream, but they weren't there before, after, during. And so um, we uh, we're doing this partly for our church, just to report to our church about what transpired. But we're also going to be promoting this more widely for other churches that are going to be attending special called conferences over the coming weeks and months. We wanted to talk about what we experienced for the good of other churches that that go through similar experiences. And we know that there are differences between conferences, but there are a lot of things that uh, you can count on remaining the same. And so we're going to have some clips of uh, what we experienced in that room. We were able to get a hold of the live stream before they took it off. And um, we're, we're going to hopefully encourage and equip anyone who decides to, to watch this. So hopefully I'm going to uh, just set this up. I'm going to be kind of a moderator. And then um, most people know our uh, producer, T.J. Owens. He went as press. He was not a, a representative of the church um, in an official capacity, but he went with his camera and took a lot of photos. Um, <clears throat> and then my wife, Sarah Beth Rickman, um, attended as the representative of the Delaware Church, lay rep of the Delaware Church, and then Vicki Mendel, personal friend, sister in Christ, um, attended representing the Nowata Church. And so uh, Nowata's, or uh, Vicki's not a big camera person, but she's doing this out of love uh, for me and for her church, because she knows that yeah. we need someone on camera representing the church, not just me. So thank you, Vicki. Thank you, Sarah Beth. Thank you, TJ. Um, how about, uh, Sarah Beth, would you kind of give a brief overview of the day as you experienced it? What was it like to, uh, to show up? Where were we? How long a day was it? What was the spirit of the day? Whatever you think is important to cover. Okay. Um, the gathering was at Church of the Servant in Oklahoma City and, um, very big church. I mean, compared to Nowata in Delaware, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, had registration and and gathering in I don't know what the area was called, but it was like a shopping mall. It felt like a shopping mall because it was so loud and echoey. Uh, so it was very hard to hear one another as we were gathering in there. Uh, they had a shop. The church has a shop and a coffee shop. It was very consumery. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then the worship space was unlike anything I had ever been in before. That was one of the weirdest worship yeah. spaces I've yeah I've ever been in. Yeah, too. I was like, what is what is going on over it's here? They a, got like a waterfall a, and a giant rock, and it was just odd. They were definitely going for a very natural look. I mean, there were there were rocks and mm-hmm. mulch <clears throat> and stone pathways and up and down and. <laughs> Uh, it was a, a circular, so the, there was a huge altar table in the center and people all around the altar. Um, definitely, and live plants, you know, it, it was just interesting. Um, beautiful, but I don't know. It was odd. And I felt like I was going to fall at any moment. I just... <laughs> 
Yeah, it was on a steep grade in some places yeah. in the sanctuary. Yeah. And then there were garden areas where there would be a... Just a drop-off. A drop-off. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder on an annual basis how many people sprain an ankle or straight up <laughs> right. fall in, you know. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, the, the gathering started at 10 a.m. Um, what was the date? It the was 22nd. April 22nd, that's yeah. right. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. On a Saturday. On a Saturday. We were already a little put out because our Saturdays, we, we don't yeah. do things on Saturdays. Jeffrey, took, Jeffrey yeah. and I... We stay at home, and we don't like to do anything on Saturdays, and so. So it was Saturday, 10 a.m. And it was it was scheduled to go until 4 p.m. Um, with a lunch break in between. Um, other important things. Uh, the the bishop got us started, uh, I think, with prayer. Yes, I remember really appreciating how he started us. Um, he started with um, the scripture from Romans. I think it's chapter 8, um, who shall separate us. From the love of Christ. Right, uh, which is an affirmation of faith that we have in the United Methodist hymnal. Mm -hmm. um, and and I just thought it really set the the a good spirit for what we were about to do. You know, there doesn't need to be any fear or anxiety. Nothing can separate us from Christ. Um, and then he said the prayer of St. Francis, which is another good... Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Yeah, yeah. So definitely a call to be our best selves and to be peacemakers uh, rather than aiming for division. And Yeah, and we'd yeah. already had one special called conference last year that didn't go well. And the worship was very... I thought divisive. Yeah. Um, so th not I, at this one, but at the one last. Yeah, year. the one in October. I thought the worship was very divisive, but well, we did. There was anxiety coming into this one too because the pre-conference workbook didn't get released until what two, three days three before days, the Thursday before. And uh, we had been anxious that they were going to review us individual churches, mm -hmm. but then they decided to break us up into districts and then keep four independent, separate because they had purportedly not done all their paperwork. Mm -hmm. So there was there was anxiety coming into the room for that reason because to our knowledge no other conference had voted in that way according to district and then we were all all but certain that there was going to be a big fight around St. Luke's which was the biggest church that was wanting to disaffiliate and drew the ire of everybody well everybody on the left because they are a liberal church and there was this deep feeling of betrayal of how can you leave us. So anyway, there was a lot of anxiety coming into that room and you thought the bishop did a really good job bringing the temperature down and yeah. setting the right terms of engagement. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, other, I don't know. I mean, we, we really, after that prayer, we got right to business mm -hmm. and um, the, the board of trustees uh, chairperson presented the conference uh, chancellor, I believe also presented. Kent Fulton. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and just helped us understand why they set things up the way they did, and then also explained that those four churches that they had held back from voting in their districts had actually been able to complete the conference requirements for disaffiliation um, by the date of our special called conference. And so th I'm not sure that they had added them back to the district, but he wanted us to know that to inform how we voted, I guess. Yeah. Um, are there other, any other important... I know, I, well, I just want to know from Vicky, as you <laughs> assembled with all these other delegates in that big room, you 
you got there with us beforehand and sat around right. at that table and did it seem, uh, how would you characterize the environment? Like, did it seem really welcoming and warm? Did it seem stilted? Did it seem hostile? Did it seem, pe- what, what were you feeling as you came into that? I felt a lot of anxiety and um, not knowing with the bishop having as much power as he does that he could have shut us all down at any time mm-hmm. and not let anyone go. And that's where my anxiety was coming from. Um, I didn't feel any hostility when we when we first went in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people were there wanting to be friendly mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, gracious. Yeah, Oklahoma Conference definitely has a self-image as being friendly, getting yes. along, even though we see things very differently. Right. And most people are still very... Well, and even whenever people... There were very few that got up and were just straight up disagreeable in every way. Yep. Most people um, tried to be a disagreeable in an ag- mm-hmm. agreeable way. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the, the open hostility really wasn't there until we had some speakers get up. And, and in previous annual, at previous annual conferences, there has been, um, like an open defiance, uh, to the book of discipline by wearing rainbow stoles by people on the left. And that was not there. Right. There was only one person in a piece of rainbow attire. It was a guy <laughs> in a sports jacket that was rainbow, and I thought it just looked like a clown costume. I know and like that guy, but I thought that was a sartorial mm-hmm. mistake. But but whatever. he was the only one in mm-hmm. rainbow anything, yeah. um, and I just really appreciated that they, whatever group usually organizes that, had, had made a decision, we're not going to make this conference about that. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, but, it started off, yeah, you're right. It started off better than a lot of yeah. gatherings that we've been to. And, and you'd been to the special called conference last year and yes. the, the regular conference yes. last year. So this wasn't your first rodeo. Right. And it felt completely different yeah. than the one in October. Well, let's go ahead and get into <clears throat> a, a couple of the clips. T, well, before we do that, TJ, is there anything else you think is important to set this up? Um, let's just set up the clips. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. We're just going to do... Um, well, we'll Four do or five of uh, not five, six of them. Yeah, we have six five or six clips. We're going to try and keep this to an hour. Okay. Yeah. Um, the very first clip was the very first speech from the floor mm-hmm. that instantly raised the temperature in the room. Yes. So let's take a look at that. Uh, I assume this will require a ruling from you. So after the motion, I do have a couple disciplinary paragraphs to refer to. Okay. So I move that following the vote of the special called annual conference to grant disaffiliation to a congregation that has chosen to leave the United Methodist Church, the delegates, clergy and lay from any congregation approved by this special called annual conference shall remove themselves from the bar and from exercising voice and vote for the remainder of the special called annual conference. Is there a second? Okay, the matter is before us, and I'm going to wait until I have that motion in front of me. Yes, Bishop. All right. Uh, Would you like to speak for it? You have two minutes to speak, please. I will simply point to the discipline on the meaning of membership, and particularly in paragraph 217.5, One of the requirements of membership in the United Methodist Church is to be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church 
and to do all in their power to strengthen its ministries. Once you have chosen not to be part of this body and to exercise membership, then the provisions for membership in the annual conference should also be set aside. And by the grace of God and, uh, you know, doing no harm to your Christian brothers and sisters, uh, having voice and vote being removed just makes sense. Okay, so that was... Uh, uh Clergy. Her name's Elaine Robinson, right? Yeah, Elaine Robinson. She goes to, or she's the pastor of uh, Village, Village, Village. Yeah, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Tulsa. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because she teaches in she teaches in Tulsa. I think I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it says it at the. It may or may not say at the bottom of that. It did. It said Oklahoma City. Did it? Okay, then it was Oklahoma City. <laughs> I'm going to so, look it up, but just yeah, to make go sure. ahead and look. Well, I don't know how much it matters. Um, I didn't really, I mean, she's been in the conference for a while. I don't remember her ever get it, but she spoke several times mm-hmm. during the day. Um, initial, what do y'all remember about that? Or well, how, would me, you, how would you respond to that? Let's keep in mind, there are other people hopefully going to watch this from other conferences where right. there is going to be people who try to limit voting in this way. So what's yeah. there to be said about that? Well, let me, let me, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. I, I don't remember, if, you may have said it and I may not have been paying attention, but um, so this was the first annual, special called annual conference of, of this year. There's yes. another one in October and then we've got the regular one coming up, I think this in May. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this happened on the 22nd of, 2nd of April. There were 55 churches that were going to be disaffiliating. Um, four of those, they decided to single out and vote on individually. Mm-hmm. The 51, they decided to split up by district right. and then vote on by district. Yeah. So that's... Whenever this took place, we were on the third enabling motion, I believe, just like uh, who who gets to vote, basically, is yes. what they were um, uh, getting ready to vote on, mm-hmm. which was going yes. to be everybody in the, the Setting sanctuary. Setting the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's, she's up there before this. She's like first enabling motion. She's standing up there, but she finally gets to the mic right there as soon as they're starting to get ready to vote on the third enabling motion. So that's that's kind of the context of, of this. Yeah, she right. was champing at the bit to... To get yeah. this, yeah, yeah, all right. So. Um, it it uh, it definitely felt, um, I don't know, like she didn't want churches. She she wanted to uh, limit the number of churches who could disaffiliate. Sure, these first few can go, but we want to make it harder and harder as the day goes on for churches to disaffiliate. And I think probably hoping that once we got down to St. Luke's and Claremore first, and I can't remember the other two, that we can easily keep them in the conference. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah, if, we're, if they're voting by district, so it's like mm-hmm. first district gets to go, and then you lose all of their votes, Delegate. and the next right. dis- district gets to go, and you lose all of theirs. By the time you get to the the St. Luke's the last, which is the one they wanted to keep in mm-hmm. because they're the biggest church now or were. Um, it just seems really contrived and uh, weird, weird to me. But I mean, she, she focuses on membership, which was a good thing to point to, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the job of a member of the United Methodist Church is to strengthen the ministries um, of the United Methodist Church. And well, do you remember how Kent Fulton addressed that whenever he got up afterwards, after her? 
I don't think so. Yeah, the chancellor, he got up and he said uh, the point at which their membership drops yes. is May 6th. It's not I think today. the bishop said that. Okay. Well, yeah, well, he got yeah. up and said it, and then okay. uh, he ruled it out of order because of that, the bishop. Yeah, okay. yeah okay. they did Good. rule it out of order. We didn't have to. So, yeah, the reason <laughs> I assumed that you selected this, TJ, was to to show just kind of the spirit in the room from the Yeah, just the right going. off the yeah. bat. Like, that's the first thing that somebody had uh, had brought up, and it wasn't even past the enabling motions yet. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, think, I think the conference administration could have gone with that. And... And and we could have seen a, a very different day. I I think yeah. the bishop and Kent Fulton d- d- decided to be gracious and say no, they're still members. Yes, I mean there would have been a challenge to the judicial council if they had gone a different way. Well, the track record of the bishop following yeah. the judi- judicial council rulings is not good. Well, I don't know. Our, ours, well, okay, you're saying that because he's recently demanded the credentials of clergy, even though he's... Well, and the Judicial Council ruled that 2548.2 was also within... Could, no, they didn't. Oh, they didn't? Okay, no, they I misremembered that then. Yeah. So, just another way. To my knowledge, the only thing he's openly done against the Judicial Council is what he's just done with, with our ordinations, which I've released a video on that on Plainspoke, and go check it out. Um, the other thing that I, that figures into this is we had jurisdictional conferences several months ago now where they passed three resolutions at every single jurisdiction, and one of those was if you're planning on leaving the denomination, you need to go ahead and stop talking, get off all your boards. Uh, your voice should not be represented anymore. Wow. So this there's been an over-attempt on the part of establishment people and liberals mm-hmm to get conservatives to shut up and remove their voices from the equation, which makes it so that we can't advocate for other people in our situation. So one of the critiques of democracy throughout the ages has been that it's a majority wolf voting Mm -hmm. on how they're going to eat the sheep. And um, that's essentially (laughs) what I took her motion to be attempting, is um, letting the attrition take hold take over until you have your majority and then you don't let anybody else leave. And I think the conference uh, leadership knew that that would result in not only a judicial council challenge, but also lawsuits. Mm. So they just didn't want that, which I I think is smart and practical. Mm -hmm. Anything else to be said about Elaine Robinson's speech here? Um, I just want to point out, just because I said Tulsa, she is from Oklahoma City. That is in Oklahoma City. Okay. Um, and she is a professor at St. Paul. Not that it matters, but just uh, Which is in correct Tulsa. the record. Right. St. Paul's is School of Theolo- Theology is in Tulsa? i got to look that up. <laughs> well, while, <laughs> I you think that that <laughs> while you do that, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll yeah. go ahead and watch the next video. I'll take a question. Yeah, just a question. I, I think I just heard you say that there's more than one path out of the denomination right now. Did I hear that, that correctly? That is correct. My understanding was that the Judicial Council overruled 2548.2, and there is only one provision for disaffiliation from the United Methodist there, Church. Now. Well, 2549 um, is another provision that might be used, exigent circumstances, and that is a conference-by-conference conference, uh, determination at this point. Is that the one where you close the church? I believe, believe so. So, so people like me here, closing churches is different from disaffiliating churches. Am I hearing, is that a distinction without a difference? Because if we could just close for free, that would be great. 
Okay, let me read to you what Exodus Circumstances says out of, out of the book, and uh, this will be the answer to the question. Exodus Circumstances include, but are not limited to, situations where a local church no longer serves the purpose for which it was organized or incorporated, or where the local church property is no longer used, kept, or maintained by its membership as a place of divine worship of the United Methodist Church. 2549 is not a disaffiliation process and deals with property, but we've had other churches exit the United Methodist Church uh, using means other than 2553, and those uh, opportunities are still available. Bishop, it's, it's relevant to note that that paragraph you just quoted was used to seize the assets of Fifth Avenue United Methodist Church in North Carolina, okay. seize their building and that's their funds. A, that's irrelevant, so thank you. That's a speech. That's, you you may be seated. Okay. You can see his irritation. <laughs> Oh, man, my heart starts. I hadn't mm -hmm. watched that since uh, I did that. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I've obviously got things to say about it. But how did how did y'all receive? Well, TJ, why'd you select that? Well, one? yeah, let me set it up. So this yeah. is this is actually towards the end of the conference. So what mm -hmm. what has happened at this point? There's been a motion to vote on all 55 churches individually, um, or not individually together. That's passed. Mm -hmm. um, then somebody singles out St. Luke's. Um, that fails because they tried to take St. Luke's out individually. They, we vote on that. Um, it fails. Then somebody tries to take Claremore um, United Methodist Church out. Um, we vote on that. It fails. And this is uh, right before um, we're getting ready to vote on all church, all to disaffiliate and all 55 churches individually. So you get up. Um, and then make the bishop mad. Like he's been fine. So up until that no, point. I did. I did one speech that was fine. Mm -hmm. You did with respect to that. I mean, so I had already made one speech about St. Luke's, and then I made another speech right before what we saw. Yeah, about. Claremont. And then another person got up and said, "Keep in mind, there are other ways to disaffiliate. This isn't the only way." And then I just turned right back around and went back right. to the podium because, no, that's not true. But, and even but, when the bishop came back to it, he said this is not a provision right. for disaffiliation. But the yeah. bishop confirmed the other person who said right. that there are other ways. He confirmed. He, he agreed was, with that, yes. yes. And so I was challenging the bishop, yes. which right off the bat, I, he didn't seem tense to me right off the bat. Maybe he was, but it, it escalated there. And, you know, there's a history between me and this bishop, and mm -hmm. I should acknowledge he could have canned me a long time ago, and he chose not to. And so I don't want to at all uh, portray him as being ungracious or anything, but I, I have challenged him before, and he's made room for that, but he's also been irritated with me before. And and I guess he did get irritated me with you. I, I got irritated at the end. I didn't see why that wasn't relevant. That was the word he used, right? It was not relevant? Yeah. yeah. And I just don't understand why that's not relevant. So... What what did y'all? How were you were both in the audience there in the the delegation? How did you receive that moment? Did I did I? I didn't understand how twenty five forty nine could be used for a church to be closed and then become their own entity again. Mm -hmm. That seemed like yeah, we can close you down and then we own all your stuff. That doesn't seem like another option to disaffiliate. Is that the impression you got? Yes, that that was not. I he didn't I, explain it anyway. No, I felt like that was not what he was referring to. Right. The, I mean, we know of other local churches in the conference who are closing their church mm -hmm. 
and buying it from the conference for a certain amount. Or we know that that's been proposed to them. Do we know of any that have said they're going to do it? Uh, no. This has been well, there's something... only one annual conference that's proposing that, and I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head. Well, we were talking yesterday to someone from East Ohio who said they're doing this to almost all the small conservative churches now, saying that they're oh, not yeah. viable, they're not essential for mission, mm-hmm. closing them down. Um, well, closing them and keeping their property, not closing them and letting them disaffiliate. Right. So this is something... Mm-hmm. So the key phrase I think he said there is it's going to be di- done differently from conference to conference. So I think there are some conferences that are going to say, okay, well, West Virginia right now, I know for a fact, their bishop has, they're, they're not doing 2553. They're only doing 2549, but they are allowing it to be done on mm-hmm. pretty gracious terms, okay. actually cheaper than 2553 most of the time. Okay. Um, so that this is just one of those areas where they can kind of circum, get around the, the Book of Discipline and kind of exercise some of their own authority as an annual conference. But the problem is, one, there's all this language of um, this church is not doing what it was designed to do anymore. It's not vital for mission anymore, which is not just insulting, but patently not true. Yeah. Um, and then two, it, it, it puts them at the complete mercy of the annual conference where they can have all of their stuff seized and they have to just trust that the annual conference is going to give it back. Because I don't think the conference can create any plan in writing where, okay, give us all your stuff and we'll get this. Right. I think it all has to be just kind of a gentleman's agreement. I could be wrong on that. But that's definitely, you know, and I, I was making kind of a joke there where if we could have done this cheaper, I would have liked to have done it cheaper. And I, I think that might have irritated, that might have been when I irritated him. I don't know. But it just seemed dishonest to be like, there, there. this isn't the only way to disaffiliate. And I'm, yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, you might design something behind the scenes, but we shouldn't trust in that. We shouldn't put our hope in that. Well, and that's that's the way that conference has um, promoted disaffiliation is through twenty five fifty three. You know, on your website when you go to disaffiliation, mm-hmm. there's the path forward. It's all laid out in a in a checklist and a timeline. But the the reason I think Greg Tiener brought this up at this point, saying this isn't the only way out, was so that delegates might feel better about saying, no, we're not going to let them disaffiliate. Okay. Right. And yeah. so they could say, well, there are other ways out, so they could take another way out. And I'm just going, no. Well, he actually comes back and says that at the end. Oh, we don't have to vote on this now. There are other ways to do this. Um, well, I think that's what he said before I got up and said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been. I don't remember the timeline of it now. I do. My memory is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about that clip? No. Okay. Well, then I forgot to bring up the next clip, but here, here's, here's the next clip. It is, uh, well, we'll see what it is. Good morning. I'm Trina Bose north I'm the pastor at Crown Heights United Methodist Church, and I would like to speak against this motion. I would love for this conference to take seriously each and every church that would like to disaffiliate. I think that conversation is a good thing. As far as precedent goes, that's an interesting point that was made. Back in October, I wish I poured over those 29 more. I wish that I had looked at the, the financial impacts and, and the assets that were leaving our conference. I wish I looked at the percentages of people voting and how many voted against more. This is our opportunity to be responsible for our annual conference, and I think that this is one of the ways we should do that. So, I would like the opportunity to discuss any church that is on the list, and 
vote on them independently. All right, TJ, why'd you select mm. that one? Um, I just thought that was uh, interesting. That was kind of the attitude of a lot of them was let's let's vote on them all individually. Let's look at all their property. Let's look at the votes. Let's look at all of this stuff and drag this out for who knows Three how days. long. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would have yeah. been the implication, <laughs> dragging it out. But the way I remember uh, Dylan got up there and said, uh, well, and I think Jennifer was one, we're, this is a conciliar government. Are you going to let the annual conference do its work, or are we just supposed to rubber stamp this thing? Which, you know, at the previous special called conference, we were the ones saying that. We wanted to amend things and, and scrutinize things right. that they wanted us to rubber stamp. So the, the irony that was, of that moment was not lost on me. And we weren't we were not doing that with the disaffiliating churches, but with the conference budget right. and pension and health and uh, things that affect all local churches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... It was an interesting turn. Yeah, we just didn't understand fundamentally the special called conference. They could limit the work mm. that the annual conference could do. And that wasn't nearly as clear then as it is now. And I think it only became clear because people like us really pushed. Mm -hmm. And then they said, no, they really can limit it this much. But uh, what else is to be said about the, the Trina Bowes North comment here? Well, I think she really spoke the first reasons out of her mouth were assets and money. Mm. And that was the only thing she focused on. She didn't focus on the spiritual well-being of uh, the members, or, but assets and money were the first words out of her mouth. Mm -hmm. that, that is interesting. Yeah, I wish that I had, when she's talking about the 29, she's talking about the 29 churches that disaffiliated mm -hmm. last year, she wanted to scrutinize them more. Um, the implicit thing being that the conference would be well within its rights to not ratify the disaffiliation of a church that has gone through this process based on what financial impact it has. Right. Um, something else relevant about Trina Bowes North is just a week or two or three prior to this, it became known that she, uh, well, she didn't even try and hide it. She performed a gay wedding ceremony for two men at Crown Heights Memorial, her, her church, uh, they put photos of it in the church mm -hmm. newsletter. They were not trying to keep it a secret. And so the, the, the temerity that she had to break the Book of Discipline publicly and then come and speak on the floor of annual conference about retaining churches and entrapping them and not letting them go, just uh, it really caused a lot of conservatives who knew about it to bristle. Mm -hmm. um, it just seemed overtly hostile. Yeah. Um, is there anything to be said about the liberal impulse to scrutinize every single church? We might get that. I saw that one of the clips was from Kayla Burge, and I think she spoke to that as well. Yeah, it's so. not the next one, but the one after that she okay. does. Um, okay. I, I, I really don't have anything. I, I, if I was in uh, a similar situation, I don't know if I would... I, I like to scrutinize stuff, so I could do the same thing. I can't I, I think if you if you are that kind of person who wants to have that kind of oversight, then you should volunteer to be on the board of trustees. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, I'm I, sure they're looking. I for, did, and they said <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't want you on the board of trustees. They didn't want your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, and hypothetically, conference boards and committees are supposed to be open um, mm. for people to come in and sit and be a part of the discourse if they want. But our conference is not. 
practiced that. They've they've had closed door meetings with board of trustees. They have not welcomed people into this. And you haven't been able to get a hold of meeting minutes either, right? No, no, they don't put those things out. They do things. I mean, it's closed session. It's it's yeah. That's one way. Or, that's another place I would point to the bishop not necessarily caring caring what's in the book of discipline. Because um, it's clear in the book of discipline, these are open meetings. Yes, unless they go into closed session, but which they, is. But you, to, if you're having entire meetings in closed session, then that is a sign of bad faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is not that's not okay. So yeah. anyway, um, let's let's go on to the next one, and then we can come back to any additional points from that. So I don't know which one this is. Aaron Tiger, Mustang United Methodist Church elder. Today is a terrible day. Today is not the day that I signed up for. It's not the day any of us signed up for. It's not the day we looked forward to. It is a terrible day and it is a sad day. I see so many friends, brothers and sisters that we have done this together. And we will always do it together. No matter what the name outside our building is, no matter what our symbol is, we are part of the kingdom of God. God's church has never failed and will never fail. It may look differently and it has looked differently and it will look differently. But there is a time in which people who love one another hug each other and say, I'm going one way and you're going another and we'll see you again a day ahead. My friends, I believe that that day for these 55 churches, churches that many of us have been ordained in, churches that some of us have served in, churches that people have received their call to ministry in, it is a heartbreaking day. I lament so much of this. But the kingdom of God will go forward, and there is a day in which we look one another in the eyes and we bless one another and we say, I love you, you're my sister, you're my brother, and I entrust the mission of God to you. DJ, why'd you pick that one? Well, all the other uh, speeches I got are, are kind of uh, inflammatory, and I just really appreciated his, his speech. I don't, I don't know, Aaron, he's a pastor of Mustang UMC in Oklahoma, uh, obviously. Um, but uh, I, just, I just really appreciated that speech. Um, it was, uh, we can still be, in ministry apart, we don't have to all be United Methodists. There are other churches kind of thing, and I just thought that was good. At that point, did you all feel like it turned down the temperature in the room, or did you think it was already too far gone and it was tone deaf? I really don't remember. No, I think it turned it down. I felt it. And there were several other pastors that spoke after him that um, had the same tone and same meaning, and, and I felt it bring down I the temperature. Matt Patrick... I think was his name, and from university in in Tulsa, yes. he said, mm. "Friends, yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's yeah. You know, and both Aaron Tiger is staying, and I think Matt Patrick. I think he's liberal. I don't. Maybe centrist. Maybe, but they're they're not leaving. But they were saying, guys, you're wanting to fight. They didn't say that, but right. the undertone of it mm, was, right. Some people here are wanting to fight. It's not time to fight. Right. Rob Renfro, uh, head of Good News Magazine, he talked about." The last couple decades just being a cage match where you got two sides trapped in this cage and they're fighting and at least one side doesn't want to fight let us out let us go right. and then for people who are staying in i've really appreciated the voice saying let them go absolutely 
but then there are a number of people that <laughs> don't want to let him go. You know, so as we're thinking about who's going to watch this from other conferences, mm-hmm. one of the things that's really hard to reconcile is in that big room with all those people, there are people with hearts of peace that are on the other side. Sorry, our kids are yelling in the other room. Um, there are people with hearts of peace on the other side, but then there are people on the other side that that want war. And how does how how do you balance that? How do you how do you rhetorically deal with that in the moment? We ended up getting out, but the margins were not as clear as last last year. Right. It was a ninety four percent margin that approved everybody to go. What was the margin this 73. year? Seventy three. Was it seventy three percent? So if we, you know, now 55 more churches are gone and we're very concerned about this attrition that, right. that happens down the line, what's going to happen with this last batch that tries mm-hmm. to get out in October as they're looking at the huge budget shortfall that's coming? They've already combined um, district leadership in three different settings in our conference. What do you do to combat this desire to scrutinize every church and dis- disapprove affiliations. Um, yeah, let's camp out on that question for just a second. What do you think is the most compelling thing to say to a big group of people to help them just say, no, we need to let them go, even if it has financial ramifications? Mm-hmm. And TJ, you're a part of this too. Right. I don't know. What's a, what's a good reason to convince left-leaning people to <laughs> let churches go. And I don't, they see the property as, as the owning being the annual conferences. They see the money as the annual conferences. Um, some of them think that those that are leaving are hateful, and I don't, if well, you so- can find a good argument, I don't uh, one of one of that this is not going to be one of the clips today, but I got up there on the floor two mm-hmm. other times and spoke and said, "This is going to result in lawsuits. Yeah. This is going to result in all kinds of fighting and misery. Right. I do not believe that you want that. Right. I don't believe anybody here wants that. I think right now you're you're zoning in on little things, mm-hmm. but the the fallout from this is going to be so bad. We've already seen mm-hmm. it in Arkansas. There's no reason why it's going to be any different here. Right. I think that's the only thing to say." Yeah, yeah. Okay. You did. You did say that, and then uh, um, your brother got up and he said, uh, "This is going to result in a bunch of empty churches. We're all just going to leave." Yeah. Like, and then you're going to be stuck with these properties yeah. that are empty. And yeah. And in cities, it. if you take that property and resell it, you can get some money. But sure. in these small towns, that's yeah. an albatross. You're going to lose money. It's going right. to be miserable. So, I but I, I, if there is anything else to say, there were liberals that came up to me after I spoke the first time and said, "I really appreciated the content." and the form of what you said. Um, because I I really do... The, oh, yeah, the, the, the first lady who spoke, one of the things that I had a problem with was she said, um, we should not give voice to those who mean to do us harm. And I fundamentally reject the notion mm-hmm. that those who leave want to do harm. We believe that by leaving, we're helping. Mm-hmm. Right. Because people don't want to be a part of a body that's fighting. You know, so right. we we're leaving. You can have it. And we won't fight anymore, and that will help you too. And the fact that they see our leaving as something provocative or mean-spirited, or it's the opposite of what it is. It's, it's gotten mm-hmm. so warped and twisted. Well, I think us leaving, because I think of Elaine, you know, and with us leaving, to me it is us saying 
you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they, she takes offense to is me saying you're wrong in the way you're believing Mm -hmm. and we're right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, on a fundamental, yes. Right. And, and then they're going to fight so to be right. Aaron had the perfect demeanor. Oh, it's an awful day. It's a terrible right. day. He had a pastoral. My response is, grow up. Be an adult. We don't all agree. Right. You don't have to take it personal. You can just say, bye-bye, you know. It, uh, when it comes to money, power, and assets, mm-hmm. people change. Yeah. They'll, they'll fight for it. It is, it is weird the way that people of integrity really shift. That might be a good segue into the next clip. I forget what the next clip is. Let's see. Kayla Burge, uh, clergy, Elk City United Methodist Church. I would like to make a speech against. Okay. That's in order. I think that what we have to realize as an annual conference is we learned from the last special called annual conference. In October, when we voted on these churches together, it was a brand new thing for us. We didn't know what to expect, but we have now learned from that. And my point of this is that each of these churches has, a, has taken an individual vote as a local church. And now they are being considered without necessarily being grouped with everyone else. I want us to remember during this time of all of our votings, voting for or against, however you want to do this, is that... Where are we making disciples? How are we losing our discipleship witness in different areas? Because in this time of voting, if we vote as a group, we may lose churches where there is not a United Methodist presence for hundreds of miles. And despite the fact that we do have an online presence through the Gathering UMC, which I'm so grateful for, we still have churches today that have no internet or very limited internet in their areas. What are we doing? Where are these people who are wanting to be United Methodist going to be able to go? Are they going to have a church that they can go to? Or are they going to have to settle for a denomination that they do not agree with? That is my consideration that are we basically closing a church today and now they don't have a voice and are they going to lose their relationship with Jesus? That, I think, is where we have to think today because I am disheartened to knowing that there are churches around us that are not going to be able to have that voice of Jesus in their life. And that's going to sadden me. And so when we vote on these, I want to vote individually because I see that that's our witness. So if you're in another annual conference, you should go ahead and anticipate that you're going to hear speeches like this Mm -hmm. that um, focus on regional presence and that focus on what about the people who lose the vote and are left behind um that's going to show up everywhere that has showed up everywhere so far so what's to be said about kayla's presentation of this and then about the the overall ideas that she presented Hmm. i well and i think you stood up and spoke after her and said if someone's relationship with jesus depends on the united methodist church they don't have a true relationship with Jesus. Like, I wish I'd said that. <laughs> I, didn't say that. I just ended up saying the United Methodist Church is not the only church. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. Our, our salvation does not depend on which denomination, 
well, I mean, some denominations yeah. would say it does. Yeah. Uh, but not the United Methodist Church. Right. The United Methodist yeah. Church is not one of these groups saying, if they're not with us, they're going to hell. Like, we yeah. believe lots. It's a, yeah. So I just, I, I couldn't take her reasoning seriously. I, I mean, it's sad. It's sad either way. Uh, for people who are leaving the United... I mean, we have people in our local churches who are really sad. They voted to disaffiliate, yeah. but they are really sad to be yeah. leaving the United Methodist Church. Yeah. Um, so I... I don't know. I don't know that I have any other thoughts. Well, I would look at um, asking them to consider maybe planting a church. Yeah. Yeah, they've got all kinds of apportionment dollars sitting yeah. there for plant church plants, don't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. New, but new. this is, you know, I get into, I, I think there is a lot of political overlap with this. And one of the, the larger things is, are we capitalists and believe in free market forces? Mm. Or are we communists and believe in state-run state stuff? Right. And so the, the thing that I think she and others show their hand is they don't believe in market forces. They, they think that there needs to be centralized control that says they need a Methodist presence here. We will be here. We will take these assets. And and that's just not how humans work. You know, right. there are much more organic, much more dynamic forces at play where if the United Methodist Church is distinct in its witness and it's uniquely meeting the needs of people mm-hmm. within the realm of Christ, there will not, it will not be hard to establish communities of faith. Right. But what what's undergirding this is a deep insecurity that maybe we don't have much to offer. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't have a unique witness. What we're seeing right now is a lot of people already United Methodists don't want to do what we're doing. And so rather than have to do that deep soul searching of why are we not appealing? Why don't people want to be a part of us? And to realize there might be something wrong with us, they get to say, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. We are going to take your things because you are going to dis- decrease our witness. And there's not this fundamental question of maybe we shouldn't have our witness. Maybe we've kind of botched it. Maybe we've gotten mm-hmm. off base. So I just think all of the presuppositions under what is being said here are really embarrassing for mm-hmm. them, and there's just this lack of self-awareness on their part that they uh, should be embarrassed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. TJ, anything else to say about that? I think you guys kind of hit it. Like The United Methodist Church is not the only church. It's crazy enough. Um, and... Uh, there was another thing I was going to say, and I don't remember what it was now. Yeah. Um, oh, it was uh, she. She had mentioned um, that you might have to settle for a church that doesn't share your beliefs. Which, if oh. the idea is the method, the United Methodist Church is such a big tent. There's a chance you're probably going to find a United Methodist Church that doesn't fit your beliefs. Uh huh. Yeah. Go to another church. There are other churches. Yeah. Sucks. This is America. Yeah. There's thousands of churches. Right. I just, right. oh, you might have to. This is like people that get upset about having to change jobs. You know, you're not entitled to stay in the same church all your life, keep the same job all your life. Right. Grow up. Aren't I a good pastor? <laughs> Let's look at this last clip. Greg Tiener, senior pastor, Bartlesville First Church. I would make an amendment that we uh, pull St. Luke's Oklahoma City out from that group and vote individually. If I can get a second, I'd be glad to speak to that. Is, okay, there is a motion and a second, and uh, that's an amendment, and I need to see that amendment in writing, please. If you take that to the teller and then tell her copy that and get it to me, then that'll be great. Thank you, Bishop. I'll go ahead and speak for the, Thank you. For the amendment. 
In the uh, summer of 2014, it was my privilege to be appointed district superintendent for the South Oklahoma City District, later Heartland District. In January of 2015, uh, Reverend Brian Bakeman and the treasurer's office contacted the district office to let us know that the uh, end of the year reports that St. Luke's had, uh, had sent in did not have correct information that the salaries were not reported on the end of the re the salaries reported on the end of the year reports did not match the IRS records. When my district super our district administrator made contact with Reverend Phil Greenwald, uh, met with resistance and was told we could not uh, make any changes without him talking to Reverend Bob Long first. Over a course of three or four conversations that week. My point and the point of the conference and district remained the same, that the numbers on the end of the year report had to reflect what was on the IRS records. At the end of my last conversation with Dr. Long, he said, you have made the uh, darkest, uh, most hurtful mistake you've ever made. You will never see another district apportionment from St. Luke's again. And that is still true. They have been apportioned over the, since 2016 by the district, $136,623, which none has been paid. Conference apportionments, 2016 on, $2,463,492, of which they've paid 36%. My belief, that this action on St. Luke's has less to do with human sexuality and more to do with money. The relationship between uh, authority and uh, uh, accountability and narcissism. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna guard against, uh, no, no applause please. I'm really gonna caution us against uh, inflammatory speech or personal attacks, so. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to play that one, TJ. <laughs> yeah. So, TJ, explain whatever people not from Oklahoma need to know about mm. that. Okay. So, St. Luke's is, uh, as of, well, before this uh, special called annual conference, is was the biggest United Methodist Church in Oklahoma. Um, it's in Oklahoma City. Um, Bob Long is a senior pastor there. He's been there for quite a while. Decades. Uh, yeah. Um, and they're a very liberal church, and they're deciding to leave the denomination. So uh, I guess Greg um, was their super and district superintendent at some point, and he's got some... 2014, he said. Yeah, bad uh, bad experiences So there. the allegation he made was that the, the church, St. Luke's, was reporting different numbers for salary to the IRS than it was to the annual conference, which has implications for tax evasion, I think, or I don't know what, I'm not a finance guy. Well, but it also affects apportionment dollars. Sure. Your your pastor salary is one of those numbers that goes into the apportionment calculation. So to Greg's mind, he and other conference uh, leadership established that St. Luke's was dishonestly reporting financial figures for self-gain, and that when they were called out on it, then they simply just stopped uh, participating faithfully in the finances mm -hmm. of, and so he he alleges that this is actually what's behind um, the the desire to disaffiliate. It's not the human sexuality debate that paragraph twenty five fifty three explicitly says is the only reason you can disaffiliate. Mm -hmm. Rather, he says it's over um, 
the authority question, who has authority in the church, and I forget the first thing, but the last thing he said was narcissism, which is a direct personal attack mm-hmm. on Reverend Dr. Bob Long, whom I like personally, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try and get Bob Long on my podcast and see. <laughs> he wanted to get, he was bristling up. He stood up to, to come mm-hmm. defend himself, and then the bishop wouldn't let him, so I spoke at that point. You saw me come up behind Greg. Mm-hmm. I, up till this point, I would have considered Greg a friendly presence in my life. He and I have privately spoken, but I thought what he did there was completely inappropriate. Absolutely. Um, and the, the temperature immediately rose oh, in the room oh, whenever he did that, yes. and you heard the bishop quiet people from clapping. There were people, there were a lot of people really angry with, with Bob Long. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I'll tell you, there were conservatives that were tempted to let him hang out to dry because, you know, he, well, I'm not going to say that, but we didn't. We decided we're going to keep it all Absolutely. together. We're going to vote as it. And then whenever I, I did get up and speak, I, I said that thing I said a while back, which mm-hmm. is if you don't, it's just going to be a huge battle. Oh, There's going to be lawsuits. It's going to be awful. Y'all and if anyone that. can file a lawsuit and have plenty of money, it's St. Luke's. Well, they were ready. I, yeah, I, know. I know for a fact they were ready. They're Bob had already, probably already te- texted their lawyer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> but the, the presupposition under this one is they've been bad covenant partners, so yeah. let's get them. Right. The undergirding logic is let's punish them. Let's yeah. punish him personally. Let's right. punish this church. And whenever that is the presupposition, then I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is fundamentally not Christian. Right. What about do no harm? They did harm to us, so you do harm to yeah. I don't, yeah, the hypocrisy um, of that is just strange. Yeah. yeah, well, and and if if they're not good faith partners, the inclination should be, let's let them go. You know, no. we're right. we're depending. You know, we're apportioning them these dollars, hoping, praying that they pay them to support the ministries of the Oklahoma Annual Conference, and they're not paying them, and so we're just out of luck, mm-hmm. why not just take that out of the equation so that we're not every year going, gosh, I hope St. Luke's pays their apportionment so that we can do X, Y, and Z. Well, and to be fair, representing Bob Long, he's said they stopped paying apportionments because for two years in a row at least, the the annual conference could not pass a uh, audit. an audit. Mm. And they couldn't account for certain funds. He didn't allege that they misspent funds or anything. Right. He just says... Why should we keep giving to you if you can't account for what we're giving you? Which right, I right. think is pretty common sense. Yeah. Um, so there's that, but there's oh, what was there was some other oh, there's this thing that they're doing, <laughs> the, the institution. They had all these years to correct this misbehavior. They could have moved Bob, which would have been a fight. Mm-hmm. They they could have seized the assets and made them pay, which Exigent would have been a fight. Circumstances, yeah, you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. There there were tools at their disposal to remedy the situation before it got to this point. Yeah, but that was almost the ten years down, ago. Right, they kicked the can down the road, and now they're leaving, and they're going, no, oh, we're gonna go nuclear now. And the whole thing is this this disaffiliation that's happening across the connection is happening because we kicked the can for decades. Yeah. Uh, we we continued to to put off this, and now that it's come, we're still not doing well. We're going, uh, so-and-so did wrong, and that misses the point. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to accept that we are where we are. So there's just this fundamental failure of adults to be adults throughout all this. Um, and to see someone get on, the, someone who's been a DS get on the floor of annual conference and make personal allegations against a former peer. It made me really sad and feel so icky. It did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I, yeah, I just. It was embarrassing yeah. for someone to get up and speak. I thought so. In that way. And before this, I spoke to many liberals. You know, we tried to get liberals that would be willing mm -hmm. to speak in favor of letting, and I was glad a couple did end up, but they weren't solicited by us to my knowledge. But there were so many liberals that were just saying, no, in Oklahoma, we're different. We're not going to be like Arkansas. We're our own thing. We're peaceable. And if you're if you're watching this from another conference, and if you come from an amicable conference, I hope yeah. that you don't have any of this. I hope that, you know, yes. Holston just had their special call conference. Florida just had theirs. They sent them away with blessing. That's wonderful. You know, yes. that's happened in some conferences. Yeah. But you can't be unprepared if this happens. There, uh, there are a lot of conferences. They're so surprised it happened. They are just not even able to function in the moment. And I think you do have to prepare for a worst-case scenario where people that up until then have been very amicable, something has shifted. Yeah. And they're not their best selves, and that can have a really toxic impact on the room and the decisions made mm -hmm. if you are not prepared for it. And that's that also goes for warning bishops, and I doubt any bishops are watching this, but according to Robert's Rules of Order, a bishop who is presiding, the presider of this, cannot allow for personal attacks and things that break the decorum of the room. And it gets mm -hmm. much more specific than that. Mm -hmm. But there are bishops that refuse to step in fast enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I would have had the bishop step in as soon as he's talking about business dealings from nine years ago. What does that have to do with the present moment? He does, he does three, and I should have took the, the video out, but he has three separate warnings, but he doesn't ever like actually say, okay, you can't talk now. He's like, I'm going to threaten you. You can't talk if you can do personal attacks, but he, he does it three times. And I, well, it, there it was worked. Only one other, yeah, there was only one other kind of uh, calling him out personally, um, and it was Bishop. It wasn't, it was not Bishop, uh, Bob another. Long. Somebody else calls out Bob Long, but it was more of a, a joking thing, but he called him out specifically. Okay. But oh, those yeah, were the I only two that. instances I didn't of remember that. that. He was yeah. on the other side of the room. Well, we, we should wrap this up. Of course, a lot more yeah. happened on the day of, and we may or may not publish more on that. Um, but the intent here is not to, to dog the Oklahoma Annual Conference and speak ill of those that graciously, yes. you know, they could have made things a lot worse for us and they chose not to. Yeah. And we're very Absolutely. glad to be free now. Um, but even so, we can't act as though we have nothing to say when there are right. a lot of conferences that are very anxious and, and they're getting ready for very anxious gatherings right now. Yeah. And so, you know, we hope that this has been a blessing to you as you've reflected on this with us and seen some of the speeches that you could be seeing on the, the floor of your conference. Is there anything else to say as a kind of post-mortem, it's over, we're out? Um, if, if, if you remember what it was like for us, you know, three weeks ago, what would you need to hear to prepare for that? I, well, um... I'm not sure I'm answering that question, but I, I think something that our annual conference did that was helpful, well, our people in our annual conference, um, was specifically the WCA was writing public letters to the bishop, to the annual conference staff, um, pleading with them, um, and, and and I think the WCA was also good, particularly for this uh, special called conference in galvanizing ideas, people, and getting everyone on the same page. And even reaching across across the aisle um, and, and befriending and, and trying to 
make the case for disaffiliation uh, to people who might want to vote against it. Um, so I, I think the more you do in the light, the better. And, and if, you, if you're not in a position to do things in the light, at least calling out and saying, show us, you know, do this in the light. We want to see, mm -hmm. we want to encourage, we want to support, um, and not, not being a, you know, it's us, us versus them and they're the bad guys, mm -hmm. but, um, let's do this together and and be open with one another. Yeah, you were one of the main people really pushing at the previous special called conference for transparency and openness. Mm -hmm. And something that you and I fundamentally believe is that is uniformly good for organizations, that it does harm to not be able to see what's going on. It, right. it, it engenders distrust. And so even as we're leaving, we're still wishing blessing for them and hoping that they right. can create a better dynamic that doesn't engender this, this suspicion and distrust. Right, yeah. Vicki, is there anything do you think that, that someone who'd gone through this could have said to you three or four weeks ago that would have helped you better prepare? Pray. That's what mm. we did mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the most. But also, in, even in disaffiliating with our church, uh, speaking to each other, making sure that everyone understands um, the process, mm -hmm. understands why we're going through the process. Um, we had several people that didn't understand, and so I tried to lead them mm -hmm. through the process and and let them make their own decision yeah. on that. But. Yeah, and I think, I think the way that I would sum up a closing exhortation for anyone who's watched this on Vicki's end, there is so much work. What happens at annual conference, we look at that like that's the work, but actually that's the end mm. of a lot of work that came before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you haven't started on that work, you know, part of that work is walking with your congregation, giving right. out good information, inviting people to be part of the conversation, modeling a, a trust in God and a patience with others, but also having those connectional conversations between congregations, not just between right. pastors, but lay delegates need to know who each other are from right. other uh, churches. And you need to be having these conversations before you come into that room together. Otherwise, everybody is just emoting off of others and responding to whatever emotional energy the bishop puts out mm. uh, or other delegates, and it's really easy to poison uh, what happens. So do that hard work now. Whether or not, you know, maybe your conference is tomorrow, go ahead and get on the phone and start calling people and letting them know where your heart is. If you have another week out, like some do, be on the phone. If, if you're just, if you're a part of this last wave that's going to be getting out at the end of the year, you have several months now to build those connections if you have been hoping that that you won't get eaten, you should you should continue hoping that, but don't trust that. Yes, okay? right. And yeah. so, hope for the best, prepare for the worst, mm -hmm. have an open, earnest conversation. Um, and there's no 100% way to get things through. There will be more churches that are singled out and turned down, and it's going to be awful. But we're going to try and mitigate that as much as we can, and hope for a good final end to this mm -hmm. rather than hundreds or thousands of churches being trapped, which will be bad for everybody. So yeah. TJ, I've been looking at them. Do you want to have the final word? Anything else to say? No, I think you wrapped it up pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, we hope it's been a blessing to you. If it has been, please uh, like, comment, share, 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 share. If you know delegates that are going to annual conferences soon, 
especially those who are predisposed to fight. Go ahead and let them consider this. See uh, how it is that some of these people looked on stage. Consider if they really want to behave that way, but also consider the long-term implications and the, the theological implications, the presuppositions of what they're bringing forward. Um, um, knowledge is a good thing. So anyway, God bless you for spending time with us. Uh, God bless your church. God bless your conference. God bless our church now. We'll see what happens. Thanks to all three of you for doing what you did. Uh, I'm just so blessed as a pastor to have people who actually care about and are engaged in this stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. See ya. Bye.